The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzolo, Sam Monson. What's wrong with my desk here? It's a disaster. Look at it. No, this makes Papers it look like everywhere. Look at this drink. This is research stuff written on the back. It's a mess. It might not be directly research for the, for the podcast, podcast no. but it's uh, we got our reads here. I've got my stylus for my touchscreen. I got my pen if I need to write notes. I'm ready to go. You're a mess. I got my water. You're a mess and you're making us look bad. I can't. This is just a blue water bottle. There's no logo on it. <laughs> There's zero logo on no it. No outward facing logo. So how's it going, man? Let's do this thing. It's going good. I'm just saying you're right now. You're a mess and you're embarrassing us before we've even taken the basketball court against good people. <sighs> do they accept the challenge or do they just like a few tweets? Can we get some? Hawk said, let's go. Can we get some official times and dates here? Yeah. Well, I think the idea is we gave them the invite. They're just going to show up one day. Yeah, we got to find out their schedule. Don't they have? So they have like a producer for the show and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and we do too. So we get our people to talk to their people. I think that's what needs to happen. Our right. people will talk to the Tomahawk show people. Yeah. And make some kind of arrangement. All right. Right. Either this, way, you need to take this more seriously than you're taking it right I've now. been knee deep particularly in how, meetings the last couple of days. Particularly how mouthy you were about it. Yeah, I mean, that's... You were the guy... You've seen me. Anytime there's a game-winning shot, I'm just like, I got it, game-winner. Yeah, but... what? So you will definitely... That's a little fake confidence. That's 100% your attitude, but more often than not, the ball that you release is nowhere near the hoop. Oh, yeah, that's just, that's just the percentages. Right. So I'm going to need you Six, to actually... shooting threes, it's not going to go well. I'm going to need you to actually take it seriously and to be better than you are. All right. All right, training starts tomorrow. Okay, sweet. Training starts tomorrow. Yes. For both of us. Mm-hmm. It's not really going to be two on two, right? It's going to be like, hey, we'll get you guys in a big game. No, it's going to be like white man can't jump style. We're going to like really play two on two. Yeah. All right. So I need to like pull up lame and then we need to get whoever the Woody Harrelson guy is. Renner. Right. Yeah, Renner needs to be like Renner sitting on the sideline. Renner's our best pickup Y player. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, training starts tomorrow. Tomahawk show. Our people will be in touch with your people. We'll set something up. Two on two. We're playing twos and threes. None of this ones and two stuff. I don't want my right. sh- I don't want my shots to count half as much as as twos. Okay, you know, just two thirds as much. Yeah. That's it. Got it. Sure. All right. Maybe you should learn 
something about basketball before we play. Probably at some point, yeah, that would seem wise. I'm Watch busy working on like how to, you know, dribble and stuff. So the the rules are still a way off. I don't think the people understand. I mean, this is like the kid in gym class who literally had never picked up a right. ball. And- so some guy on Twitter was like, oh, of course you choose basketball. So I was like, you do- I don't think you understand how much I would prefer to be playing football, even yeah. if it's against two former NFL players. Sure, we'd still get killed, but so I'd feel a, a lot more comfortable. So that's it. a good question. Do we have a better shot of winning in football or baseball? I two on two. Oh God! How no. do you no? Because how do you cover Hawk? Then again, you don't. Neither one of us are covering him. Then again, how do you cover me? I would say the two of us have a better shot of beating. So of the three sports, right? Basketball, baseball, and football. I would say the two of you, the two of us, have a better chance of beating them at baseball. Yeah. Then football, then basketball. Ooh. That's bad. We actually have a better shot at football than basketball. <laughs> I think? think we do. <laughs> baseball for sure. Even if you don't hit the ball, look, we're dr- we're dramatically outclassed as athletes in football, but at least I know how to play. Right. Yeah. I mean, between the two of us, we're both skill position players. They only have one <laughs> skill position player. Know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. That's my way of. You know, I like could do like the positional breakdowns. Right. No, we win it. in skill position yeah. players. They win in O line talent. Great. And maybe athleticism. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How does Joe move with his, with his knees at 240 pounds these days? Huh? Guess I'm pretty good. Probably better than us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how tough could he be? Oh, I didn't miss a snap for 10 years. As soon as he gets an injury, he's done. Yeah. How, how tough could uh-huh. Joe Thomas really be? I'm just, you know, you get, you get pushed around in the Joe. post by Eric. Oh, Eric's soft in the post. That's the thing. I haven't been challenged in a while. Huh. You could put it, yeah. That'd be my concern. I talk a big game, but I'm pretty soft down there. Yeah. Pretty soft in the post. This is what I'm saying. All right. Anyway. And he's like, he's an actual Nobody's here. Six, six, and you're like a listed he's like six, six five. ten. Six five, thirty two inch arms. I got that. But you're like a you're like a listed six ten. Yeah. So honestly, there's like there's like that much between the two of you, and he's two forty and jacked. I'm way taller than him. I don't know if that's the really hook shot's unstoppable. All right, people aren't tuning in for our basketball well, yet. And they tune in they the will wrong. be once we get the game going. And they tune in the wrong podcast, to be honest. It's divisional round weekend. We love divisional round weekend. It is just a clean weekend of football games. You got the four teams that earned a bye, the four teams coming off wild card wins. It's one of the best weekends of the year. A clean weekend of football. Yeah. Just, okay. You're supposed you're just gonna have you have good teams. Huh. You have all good teams the, the rest of the way. All right. Okay. Sure. This is why people think we don't like each other. <laughs> you talk crap. It's a clean week of football, starting with the Minnesota Vikings at the San Francisco 49ers. I have to say, that's like old school to me. The 49ers hosting a playoff game, four o'clock window. Yeah, it's like the it's 1987 classic. all over again. It's 1987 Vikings 49ers. Uh, so we asked this, that game? No. We asked this question on the two-minute drill that we throw out on social media every day. Who's the better quarterback in this game? They're close. I mean, Cousins is grading better this year, mm-hmm. and I think they're I think they're both very similar. I think Garoppolo's high end stuff has been good, but remember he kind of kind of slummed slummed through the first half of the season. Every time he was playing pretty well, you know, he'd have a turnover or he'd play at the wrong time or whatever. I think Kirk's also a significantly better deep ball passer than than yeah. Garoppolo is. Honestly, this is like the who the, the guy on Twitter that said that uh, like Jameis is Brett Favre with a bad PR for him. I kind of think the same thing with Kirk Cousins and Garoppolo. Like Cousins just has a terrible PR firm working for him, but essentially they're, if anything, they're the same guy. And if, if not that, then Cousins is better. I and take yet, Cousins. 
everyone's everyone i think the perception would be that garoppolo is the better of the two they uh, to me they're both in the middle tier of quarterbacks and however you want to define middle tier it could be the eighth to 20th ranked quarterbacks in the nfl i think that's a fair i think they're both between eight and 20 in the nfl right between 10 and 20 however you want to break that down and in any given year you could you know have top 10 production and i think that's where they are and that deep the deep passing i think for cousins is just as vital in this game as it was in the last one um we said going into that game that look they're they're underdogs they're they were underdogs against the saints they're going to be underdogs against the niners they're going to be underdogs in every game they have to play this postseason um so for them to overcome that like when those opportunities are there he's going to need to connect on them and he had Thielen in overtime against the saints um, no receiver in the NFL has more touchdowns on deep shots than Stefan Diggs this year. Like those, he's got two receivers that can both be extremely dangerous on those deep shots. Cousins needs to connect on those to overcome the kind of the fact that they're essentially the worst team. Yeah, I mean, there's so many similarities to it. Just the entire playoffs filled with outside zone Shanahan Kubiak coaching tree folks, right? Uh, not computer folks, coaching tree folks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these two teams very similar in that regard. I think the Niners with Garoppolo at quarterback, he has been good, not great this year. But I like the way the 49ers have just won every which way this year. They've won blowouts. They've won with the run game. They've won with the defense. They have shown that they can win any given way. Now, I just don't know how much that matters because we're just into a whole bunch of uh, one game playoffs here, right? You're losing, yeah. you're out, but you know, their history, what they've gotten through this year to have that number one seed is really impressive. It is. Um, I think the 49ers are a really good team. You know, the NFC is loaded, the 49ers, the Packers, the saints, there's some really good teams in there. I think fundamentally they are all better than the Vikings are much though. I know, you know, Vikings fans think I hate them. I know. I, 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 I just think Vikings look, every week. I just think they're not as good as those other teams in the NFC. Now they overcame the Saints last week with a spectacular game plan, um, but I don't know if they'll be able to get it done a second week. Particularly, you know, on the road again, traveling decent distance. No, they are of a shorter week because they're now the early Saturday game. Like things are stacked against them. There's a reason See, teams don't win all these wild card games all the way through the Super Bowl. It's hard. I think for a few years now we've been sitting with an NFC where the teams are so close. They're real. It's really tightly contested. 2017, the Eagles were the team that just kind of emerged as the best, made it to the Super Bowl. They had those buy, they had the buy, got to play at home. Last year it was the Rams. You know, they, they made it to the Super Bowl, but they, they were the team that I don't think they were much better than the Saints or some of the other teams that the, the Saints easily could have been sure. in yeah. the Super Bowl, right? I just think it's been so close. I think this year's the same, too. I think both NFC games are going to be really close. If there were going to be blowouts this weekend, I think it's going to be on the other side. I think it's going to be in the AFC. So is there a huge difference between Minnesota as a team and San Francisco? Not really, but I do think, you know, the Niners have have played cleaner football. They've been more consistent, played cleaner football the whole season, plus they got the home field advantage yes. in the extra week of rest. Also, they don't have, well, they have cornerbacks. Vikings don't have any of those anymore. Yeah, that's a factor, too. and. The Vikings receivers, Thielen and Diggs, going up against Sherm on the outside and the Niners passing, you know, pass coverage. That's going to be one of the best matchups of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. So I think all things being equal, you know, if this was in a neutral venue and the Vikings were 100% healthy, it would be a lot closer. But that's not true. The Vikings for the second week in a row have to go on the road. 
and they don't have everybody healthy. They have a significant hole at cornerback. Now, it's an interesting one because so a week ago, the Saints have Michael Thomas, who's A, one of the best receivers in the NFL, B, one of the best slot weapons in the NFL. They line him up inside a lot, and he's extremely effective there. And the Vikings, obviously, their biggest problem is there's no slot corners left at all. Like right. Andrew Sandejo, the safety, third safety, was playing slot. Anthony Barr was covering in the slot. They were double teaming a lot, bracketing inside, blah, blah, blah. But that was they were dealing with the slot problem there. The 49ers will, I think, typically exploit that less. Like they don't run as much um, 11 personnel, three wide receivers. They don't necessarily lean as heavily on the slot. But you've got a George Kittle who operates in the middle of the field a lot, crossing into zones, you know, causing matchup problems there. So it's an it's going to pose a different set of problems that Zimmer needs to, in the space of like six days, come up with an answer to. Like he crafted a, an excellent game plan to stop Michael Thomas and New Orleans offense, given that he knew he didn't have any slot corners. Right. He's going to need to come up with an equally effective but completely different game plan to stop what the 49ers want to do. Yeah, and I, well, I think I think the the trouble here too is you you have a zone heavy Vikings team, and you know those the Forty Nineers do a pretty nice job of of moving those guys around. They move zone defenders around really well with that outside zone scheme. They run a lot more gap scheme, so you've got multiple run concepts to defend, and then the play action game off of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing Shanahan likes better than those deep crossers and you know exploiting the middle of the field. So that's. Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr being really disciplined underneath. They got to work deep to deep to short, really get get really good depth uh, on their zone drops. I mean, those are just some of the keys there. And then again, the run game is going to complement the play action passing game. And, you know, that's where the Niners have done a really nice job. Debo Samuel on the jet sweep game. Um, they've got speed at running back that they've done a really nice job getting into space. I think when you add that all up on paper, it doesn't look intimidating for the Niners but when you see like a Raheem Mostert and what he does with his speed and the way that they just use these guys they they make you defend the entire field yeah so yeah they need a good game plan they do again so I think generally they have a tough job to slow down this 49ers offense because it's very good it causes a lot of problems for schemes uh, on the back end like all this play action will slow down the pass rush so one of the things that was working in their favor last week was Danelle Hunter and Everson Griffin just wrecking the New Orleans offensive line. They'll be slowed down just by the plays that the 49ers are running. So that will help. Um, I think, again, the key side of the ball in this matchup is going to be the Vikings offense. It's what can it get done against the San Francisco defense? Um, Stephon Diggs had some success against Richard Sherman the last time they met. Um, He beat him a couple of times. Sherman is a different player now than he was then, you know, another year removed from the Achilles injury, but it'll be interesting to see if they do test him and go after him because, because of the confidence they have in Diggs beating him as a route runner. Um, and then generally it will be interesting to see if they're going to be able to run the ball as well, because New Orleans were not particularly gap sound on defense. They made a mess out of defending the Vikings outside zone schemes a lot. Right. Um, guys just flowing to the wrong spot, not being able to exchange gaps properly, just generally, ugly the 49ers should Niners, be better at that. they're strong up front i mean the defensive line eric armstead's coming he's got his career year nick bose has been fantastic deforest buckner they're just solid across the board up front and they should be getting juan alexander back for the game which would be interesting because he started the season on fire 
in previous seasons, he's been a missed tackle machine. Well, then he started missing tackles before, but even then, before the injury, not at the same rate. Yeah, so he wasn't, you know, an unmitigated tackle disaster as he was in previous seasons. But he he's an interesting guy because obviously huge amounts of speed can get to the gap. Will he overrun it? Will he, you know, jump out of the all that kind of stuff? So I think the linebackers in general, both sides of the ball, are going to be really important. Both schemes are dead are predicated on having those guys on a string right outside zone here boot this way outside zone there boot that way um, and then you got the screen game off of that I think both linebacking groups so Kendricks and Barr you know Fred Warner for the Niners you mentioned Quan. I think we're going to be sitting here Monday morning analyzing the game saying man that winning team got some sort of really impressive impressive performance by a linebacker multiple linebackers whatever it might be those guys are going to be really important in this game I think those underneath coverage defenders and run defenders have we made picks yet for this yet i haven't done the. i haven't done my picks did you do uh, yours no i don't think so has um, that been pushed to us yes it has the other interesting thing is this feels like a game where anthony barr could be exploited like i the, it always feels to me that the vikings would be well served to use him more as a legitimate sub package pass rusher right essentially hide the fact that he's not that great in coverage by having him rush the passer on the edge, which he can do. That's what he did in college. Particularly when we saw last week that when you move Everson Griffin inside, he's really good. Yeah. So you can get those three guys on the field at the same time rushing the passer, Barr, Griffin, and Hunter, and it makes sense. And it takes a guy who's not the most comfortable man in the world in coverage out of coverage. So I'm surprised they don't do it more than they do. Um, But it feels like if they don't do it in this game, we're going to have plays where, where Anthony Barr is tasked with covering George Kittle in space or Debo Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders, and that's going to go bad. It's okay. He just, it's just not. He had that one good year, Barr, yeah. in coverage where he just seemed to make, you know, it was more about positioning. He was just in the right position. He still, you know, they get him moving a little bit. Yeah, they were able to keep everything in front of him, yeah. and he was able to come up and stop things. Now they're actually, the teams worked out how to get him into space. Covering J- things back. Jaron Curse, doubtful. Missed last week. I mean, he would be... The other option at slot. He would be the nice... Um, he's more of a tight end eraser type. You know, big big bodied guy coming out of Clemson who always seemed... I, I would always try to keep those guys on my roster. Well, Give me a guy that can match up against tight ends. Because when you do run into the George Kittles of the world, you do want somebody that can at least slow them down. But also, he was the guy tasked with covering the slot earlier in the season sure. before they had Sandejo. Right. Um, he would be the other option to do that. At this point they really don't have an alternative. It's like, sorry, Andrew, <laughs> you're going to have to play slot corner again because it's you or like a third string linebacker. Yeah. I wonder if the Niners would exploit that. They might not use a ton of 11 personnel, but when you have Debo Samuel, you've got Emmanuel Sanders, you know, Kendrick Bourne's reasonable out there, but then Kittle is, he's a big wide receiver anyway. Right. That who, who just happens to be able to run block. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not 11 personnel, having three, detached wide receivers uh, you know against this Vikings defense the way they're constructed right now could be a nice advantage for the 49ers yeah I mean at some point you know we talked before about how slot is more important than it's ever been in the past it's one of the more valuable spots you can be good at but some stage literally not having anybody on the roster that is a recognized slot corner is an issue like the Vikings were able to game plan cover it up last week this the the 49ers have had a whole week to essentially figure out how they're going to prevent them doing that. Yeah. 
So, like I say, at some point, I think that's going to become a problem for the Vikings, and it will take a pretty spectacular game plan to not let it be. So what are you thinking in this one, man? First game kicking off the weekend, Minnesota at San Francisco. Where are you going with this one? 49ers. Well, because you hate the Vikings, so it's not even... I, I mean, they're a better team, and they don't have a giant hole at slot corner. The You're way just going to take the favorites in every game, aren't you? Not every game. Eh, am I? I'm going to take the home team and all of them. I might. Myself. Looking at it. Oh, did I just give that away? Uh, I'm taking the Niners. I think, again, I think both NFC games are going to be, I think they might be the two best games of the weekend. I think the NFC is, there's just not a big difference. The difference is going to be couple plays here and there home field advantage that type of thing so i'm going the niners in this one all right so you hate the vikings too oh yeah of course okay tennessee titans at the baltimore ravens saturday night game lamar in prime time <laughs> yes this should be fun this is the game much like last week when i couldn't see the way the vikings could win it i can't see how tennessee wins this game why why because the the ravens can do everything the Patriots can do to them on defense, only they have an offense that's unstoppable. So how does Tennessee win? Because that's short-sighted analysis. No, it's not. That's short-sighted analysis based off what happened last week. So what happened last week is the Patriots' defense did a really good job against the Tennessee offense, which is the strength of this team. Not really. They did. They scored 14 points. I don't think the defense did well. I think Tennessee just ran the ball more than they passed it. Yeah, because the defense did a good job. No, the defense didn't make them run the ball. They kind of did. I mean, they covered their receivers. No, they only dropped back like 18 times or whatever it was. Yeah. That was a choice. That's how you win is on defense is you force the opposition to run the ball all day. 16 dropbacks, one of which was Marcus Mariota. Right. So you force them to run the ball all day. You don't which, force anything. Which Tennessee generates 14 points in a game. So that's not that wasn't necessarily good defense by the Patriots. The Titans chose to run Derrick Henry down their throat. They did it successfully, and that strategy leads to 14 points. Making it bad. Which has nothing to do with the New England defense. If your defense, if your defense can stop them passing at the expense of letting them run all day, and that yields 14 points, that's good defense. I'm saying I don't know that they, I mean, they stopped them passing on the 16 dropbacks. Yeah. But there was only 16. Yeah. Which was the... Which was a choice by Tennessee. So, anyway, my point. So if Tennessee drops back a lot more this year, this week, they'll have they'll have a chance to score points. My point essentially is that Baltimore's coverage is basically as good as New England's. They can do as good a job against the pass they can. Their run defense is better than New England's. They will do a better job of stopping Derrick Henry. They will probably limit the Tennessee offense to the same kind of points total as they had last week. No, because if they, on the other side, if they the ball, stop Derrick Henry, it's going to make Tennessee pass more, which ultimately will lead to more points or more picks from Marcus Peters. Anyway, the other side of the ball, that means now that the Tennessee defense needs to stop the Baltimore offense, which basically nobody can stop. So how do they win? I don't know. You were wrong last week when you said the team couldn't win. I was. But you also agreed with me last week. Because you're just looking at last week's game. If you look at this entire season, where here's how they win. Ryan Tannehill was the highest graded quarterback when he played this year. Okay. Right? A.J. Brown was unstoppable. This year, this season, he was incredible this season. So the Tennessee passing attack is one of the best in the league this season. Last week, they weren't. They're now rolling in to play one of the best coverage units in the NFL. I know that, but they win through the passing game. That's how they could do it. And then they have a defense that isn't great, but it's capable of 
scheme it up and so, uh, and hang it in there. If they win, I think the only way it happens is they get out to a lead. Um, because I think, so there's a lot of people talking this week about how do you stop Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense, right? And there's a ton of different ways you can stop them on the chalkboard, like on paper. Yeah. A, like schematically, there's a ton of different ways you can do it. Problem is they break that because they're too good. Like this idea of, all right, you get a guy one-on-one with Lamar Jackson. I have him covered, but then he just runs around you or does a little dance, makes you fall over and gains 25 yards. Like you, in oh, theory, it's not easy. I mean, in look. theory you had that stopped, but you didn't because he's a better athlete than you are. So ultimately I don't think they're going to actually be able to do that, but the way to stop them is to get them out of the game plan that they want to play, which is to put up points first and essentially force them to play from behind. Now, I think the Ravens are smarter this year than they've been in the past, and even that yeah, might... they won't come out of their game plan. Right, and even that might not shake them out of their game plan, but this would be a rare... So, you know, like last week, the Vikings took the ball when they won the toss, and you don't do that. Nobody does that anymore. Like, it's generally considered to be a bad plan. Yeah, you want the extra possession in the second half. Right. This might be an instance where I might take the ball because I think they need to get out to a lead to stop Baltimore just being able to run the ball down their throats all day. Yeah, maybe. And obviously one touchdown is not going to do that, but if you can get one and then somehow, like, getting a lead is how you're going to win against the Ravens. No, I think, I mean, look, I I said if if there's going to be blowouts, I think it'll be in the AFC. Clearly the Ravens are the best team. They're the better team here. But we're also a couple weeks removed. Lamar's last game was that game where Cleveland was hanging, keeping it close. And then before you know it, you know, the Ravens hit him with a couple big plays before the half, and that's what separated them. If teams can keep it close, then you just you, you eliminate a couple plays. Then it becomes, you know, just a couple plays here and there that you have to avoid, those big plays. They, it's, it's possible for Tennessee. For them to pull it off, though, it's going to take regular season Ryan Tannehill. It's not 150 yards from Derrick Henry. Unless it's unless that's closing it out in the fourth quarter yards, it's going to take regular season Ryan Tannehill, who's making big time throws, who is as accurate as any quarterback in the NFL beyond ten yards this year. That's what it's going to take, and it's going to be a challenge against that Ravens defense. Remember, just to recap what the Ravens have done this year: built an offense completely around Lamar Jackson and his skill set. Uh, Lamar has developed his uh, precision as a passer to elevate to. MVP essentially defensively the Ravens coming out there playing like positionless football safeties are playing linebacker linebackers are playing safety corners are playing safety people are they're blitzing over 50% of the time only team in the league to do that they're stealing extra downs going for more fourth downs than any team in the league at the times when they should so they have you know improved with superstars guys like, like Lamar and also winning on the margins with scheme type stuff that's what makes them so good and so tough yeah, it's really interesting because they're doing almost everything that you should do to win. You know, we everyone talks about how the Patriot way, has, this is kind of what they've done, right? Is that they've essentially done everything the way that you should be doing it for yeah. the better part of 20 years. And that's why they've won, you know, a ton of Super Bowls and other people haven't. The Ravens this year, it's almost hard to find something that they aren't doing in the optimum way that you think, yes, this is 100% the way you should be doing that. They've targeted coverage on the back end they're scheming up pressure by blitzing more than anybody else they're essentially cheating pressure they're stealing those extra downs they're doing everything that you think they should be doing so if you roll into a game against them like you're behind the eight ball across the board like this is football is a crazy game because 
no matter the uh, no matter the sort of disparity in the teams, a couple of freak bounces here or there can swing the entire game, right? Like you get a fumble that shouldn't, you know, so, like Lamar Jackson has cut down on the fumbles this year, right? But um, who was it a couple of weeks ago? He takes off, he's 15 yards downfield, somebody punches the ball right out, right? Fist <laughs> directly on the ball, it comes out, there's almost nothing you can do about it. It's just one of those things, right? So a team like Tennessee is almost across the board in a hole already, but they could swing the thing. It takes a couple of plays like that. Right. It'll take some With of a couple of turnovers. Yeah, I think Tennessee, I mean, they didn't get any pressure last week on Brady. What is this? <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, that from? I, he just made it. I was okay with it when I saw just this part being worked on. And then and you then, saw your face. Yeah. Where's, tell Ethan, what, what's Ethan even doing right now? Well, apparently he's turning us into poodles. Huh. Yeah, that feels like. I mean, look, with well, your hair makes some sense. I, I feel, I've apparently been dragged into this. Well, you, you, have hair, you have hair now. It's, that's a win. I mean, I have hair now, just not much of it. Poodle hair for both of us. Hmm. Inside jokes that nobody could see or hear. Great. Yeah, well done. Uh, so the Titans last week didn't get a ton of pressure. I do think they're going to have to do a better job, at least compressing the pocket. Ronnie Stanley, at left tackle, has given up six pressures. There are centers, like a good center shouldn't average more than one pressure per game. There are centers who have given up like 40, 30 Matt this year. He's given up 47. 47 or something. I mean, that, by the Ronnie, way, is an insane number. Yeah. Ronnie Stanley, six all year. Matt Paradis has given up 47 pressures this year at center. Rodney Hudson, who came into the league in 2011, has given up 55, I think, in his career. <laughs> That's crazy. That um, really is incredible. Yeah, so Stanley's interesting because I, I wrote an article a while ago about him and how good his, it, like, this is a historically good pass-protecting season. Yeah. But obviously he's helped out by this offense, right? A, they run the ball more than anybody else. B, they have Lamar. That changes things. Um, they run more, you know, a ton of play action. There's a whole bunch of different ways in which he sort of benefits from the system, right? But no matter how you carved out the various different things that could be warping it, like, you know, rollouts and play action and all this kind of stuff, no matter how you chopped it up, when you looked at the sort of the unfiltered numbers at the end, it was like, no, he's still the best. Um, and, you know, another one that I didn't think of at the time, but was uh, looking into this week is how many inside moves does he face? Because yeah. if you're Lamar, yeah, or if right. you're facing Lamar, you don't want to go inside, give him the act. Like, oh, even just, just in general, mush rushes. and Right. You know, you're going to. But in particular, inside moves is the thing right. that gives those quarterbacks sure. uh, you know, the, the edge and wide yeah. open space. And he's definitely, like he's faced half the number of those of most tackles, right? Go. So again, yeah. big factor. And the other side, um, Zeus, baby Zeus, has also Brown. faced like half of them, right? Right. So that's definitely a, a Lamar thing influencing those. But again, if you just look at the ones, you know, the other, like he's still basically, the, yeah. I think ultimately you end up down a rabbit hole of like, it's impossible to quantify how much just changing all of those numbers has, you know, it was like the Baker thing, right? It's yes, you can isolate his NFL throws and his tight window throws and all that kind of stuff. But what there's no way of doing is saying, what impact does changing the proportions of those things have? Right. Like if he ends up having to make those throws twice as often, does, how, what does that do to his efficiency on them? Yeah, then I think that's true with Stanley as well. No matter what way you look at the numbers, he is by far the best pass blocking tackle in the NFL, but there's really no way of quantifying how much help Lamar changing all the dynamics has right. on all that. Either way, it's tough to get pressure off the edge. Yeah. If you're facing the Ravens, 
Um, I'll just paint a picture. If the Titans are going to win this, you're going to see a big game from Tannehill. You're going to see something like Kenny, Vitt- Kenny Vaccaro comes up, forces a fumble in the run game. Yeah. Kevin Byard picks off a pass. I mean, turnovers change. It's going to be that type of thing. Yeah. If they're, uh, if they're going to win it. Um, I do like the Ravens in this game. And I think, you know, we get them in prime time, get to watch uh, the, the, the total package here, the way they're playing defense, the way they're uh, running their offense. I wonder if there'll be any jitters. I, I, I don't know if this, if anything, like Lamar was terrible in the playoffs in his only game last year. He's a completely different player this year. Does any of that matter? Is he pressing? I mean, there's that mental side of it as well. They're now the, they're the front runner, the number one seed in the playoffs. And we've seen great teams who are number one seeds, the Patriots in the past and other teams, the Broncos, whoever that come in and they're like, you know, they're, they're okay. Mm. Right. And they, and they don't play up to their capabilities. There's always that, you know, we don't know how they're going to respond because, you know, maybe the playoff atmosphere is, is a thing. And so. as much as we see John Harbaugh as being, you know, the guy that's got all the advantages in terms of the fourth down. So all that kind of stuff, like Vrabel was the guy that went out there and schooled Belichick last week with his own trick in terms of, you know, clock management and playing with the rules and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, like Vrabel doesn't get any credit for that kind Which of stuff. Which could have been a bad move if they if well, they gave up a late field goal yeah, that was close. It's certainly an interesting move, you know, to burn essentially a minute of clock when you're up by one. But the point is, like, he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, as much oh, yeah. as John oh, yeah. Halper is getting all the credit for that stuff, but Vrabel's not an idiot. Like he he could come up with some pretty good stuff himself. So since you can't envision any mm. scenario that the Titans would win, famous last words from you. Yeah. I'm assuming you're taking the Ravens in this one. Yeah, it worked so well last week. So yeah. I, I will also take the Ravens in this one. You know, I'm not going to teach you how to sell or anything like that. But now if you're trying to keep people interested, you, you're supposed to kind of weigh both sides and say, you know, this is a game to watch. Here's why, you know, well, you can watch it and see both if teams I'm, have a chance. See if I'm wrong again. Yeah. Watch like the game week. just to prove uh, just to prove Sam wrong. Yeah. Speaking of selling, let's sell some shirts because this shirt's awesome. So is yours. It's all from propercloth.com. 20% off. Or $20 off. $20 Sorry, off. Don't lie, Steve. No. $20 off propercloth.com slash PFF. Which if you buy the cheapest ones, is actually more than 20%. It's more than 20% off. Actually, sell it like that. 25% off. Mm. An $80 shirt. Shirts are as low as $80 at propercloth.com slash PFF. Use the promo code PFF20 because these things fit perfectly. We were going to make an actual pitch to the new coach of the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule. Were we? I mean, yeah, we were talking about doing it on uh, social. Because oh. you ever seen he's got like the cutoff, this like big, everything, big husky cutoff I don't understand. Everything he wears thing. is like, you know, like uh, Demolition Man, the movie, right? When did they make that? Like the 80s yeah. or the 90s or yeah. whatever? And it was set in like the year, you know, 2082, whatever, right? And there was like all this clothing that like, this is what humanity wears in the year 2052. Yeah. Everything he wears... Looks like it was a piece of clothing supposedly for like this year, but on a movie that was made in 1970. Look at this thing. Right. Like, what the hell is that? This cutoff thing. So, Matt Rule, you could use proper cloth, propercloth.com. You even can get $20 off. You get $20 off the, you know, the, the more expensive shirts or the, the $80 ones, whatever you want. I don't know that he needs a discount anymore. He might not, but he might be watching and listening because, you know, he, he might be. Well, look, even Mike McCarthy gave us a full on shout out. So Matt Rule's definitely watching propercloth.com slash PFF, PFF 20. Go check it out and you can get something that fits perfectly. Even if he doesn't need the discount, we'll take the uh, we'll take the boost for using our link. So, yes, yeah, yeah, we'll take propercloth.com slash PFF promo code PFF. 
Get PFF 20. 20. PFF 20. PFF 20 is the promo Get code. $20 off a custom made shirt. And if you haven't had a custom made shirt, like if you're just buying medium at, you know, Macy's or whatever, what are you doing with yourself? Go and What's get a medium? Medium's not Sam's size or Steve's size. Well, it's, it's just certainly not Steve's it's not size. Mine. No. But it's just medium. Right. Who's medium? Nobody. So go out, get one for your freaky long arms. Get one for yeah. your, you know. I have Steve business your, shirt. Your tight You pits. have Sam cactus shirt. Right. You got to get one that fits your weird ass dimensions. You have a weird. Oh, you should be writing taglines. Right. Fit your weird ass dimensions. Fit your weird ass dimensions. Uh, Propercloth.com slash PFF. PFF 20. We're gonna do lo- it. We're going to lose you to Propercloth's marketing department. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. I also want to just take a second to say. You're welcome, Mike McCarthy. Mm, Now, he didn't thank me directly. He didn't. No. But Neil doesn't have a podcast. He thanked Neil. He thanked Chris. Chris doesn't have a voice anywhere. Mentioned PFF. Even got the branding right. PFF. He said PFF. Yeah. Not that old. But didn't didn't thank you. But I was at... I went to lunch with Mike. I was at lunch. Mm -hmm. I showed him... Strange that he didn't call you out individually as a person worthy of thanks. Maybe he should have. Maybe. Maybe that's because he doesn't want to give away the fact that he's trying to hire me in the, uh, as part of the uh, department. I saw his coaching staff. Not the staff. analytics department, because, you know. I saw his coaching staff coming together. Like, there's, there's still some spaces. I mean. I don't want to coach. I want to, I want to procure, procure, procure players. Mm. Oh, shoot, I'm not going to get any job if I talk like that. <laughs> no, you're not. I want to get the players. I want to shop for the groceries. At the very minimum, you need to be able to say what it is you want to do. I want to shop for the groceries. Is that, is that okay? If you want to get the job. Jerry and I sitting down. You haven't had a sleepover at Jerry's house. That's your problem. Not yet. Yeah. Not well, yet. he doesn't have a bed that fits you. I mean, come on. Uh, how many wings do you think he has to his house? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a whole bus. Listen, Jerry, if you want to hear the pitch, you can be the first to grab PFF IQ. It's going to be, this is all happening behind the scenes, but that's That's what the papers are. This is what, this is what everybody's going to be using to make every personnel decision in the NFL just a few short years from now. So Cowboys open offer for you guys to be the first to use PFF IQ from Jerry on down to our friend, Mike McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe then I'll thank you. Maybe then. Not just thank Neil and Chris. Yeah. I mean, Chris wasn't even here. What did he do? Was he here? No, Chris was here. I'm just kidding. Mm. Chris and Neil deserve all the thanks. They did a good job. Anyway, let's move on. What's the next game? Where am I? I'm rattled. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, the Packers game's not next. No. Oh, man. It could have been. It could have been. You are just unraveling in front of our eyes. This is is horrendous. I'm just high on my PFF IQ pitch. Okay. Right. It's Nobody knows what that is, it. except us. No, I know, but yeah. that's part of the... I don't know if you understand how a podcast works. Like People need to understand what it is you're no, talking about. No, 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 that's how you market. What are you... You're not marketing anything. So back up, when I was... in crap. No, because like when I was in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Sonic, the fast food place. Oh, rather than the Hedgehog. No, not the Hedgehog. Okay. Sonic 2, though, was a great game. It was. On whatever you call the Sega Genesis over in... Mega uh, Drive. Mega Drive? Yeah. Did you ever beat it? I, Me and my buddy kept. We spent years trying to beat Sonic too. Mm. How many rabbit holes can we get down? Anyway, Sonic. This is our other podcast. It's ruining your childhood. Oh yeah, yeah. we'll do yeah. a Sonic too. Like I used to think it was a great game, but you want it's probably terrible now. It, it doesn't hold up great when you put it on a big TV now. Ooh, 
That's not good. Don't ruin my childhood, please. <laughs> this, is what the, this is what the podcast for. Anyway, I will be advertising PFF IQ for the next two years because Sonic, the fast food place, there was not one Sonic in the entire, I don't think in any of New England, in, in Massachusetts. They were running ads for two years. You would see the same Sonic ad over and over and over again. And then they finally put a Sonic in a place near my house and people went crazy for it. And I think it was because of two years of just like, hmm, Sonic, hmm, Sonic, hmm. But there's no place to go. And then when they finally put it in, all hell broke loose. Okay. Everybody wanted it. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the idea that, you know, you, but, you pre-advertise something before a launch. But typically you do it to the intended marketplace. You don't think NFL owners and GMs are listening? They're, they're all listening to us right now. I think they represent. I'm speaking to a very small right. piece of our audience. I think they represent a very small portion of our listenership. There'll be some IQs trickle down to the to the consumers as well. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the games again. The AFC. Where are we? Sunday afternoon. Houston, Houston. Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. The NFL made a move this year. The divisional round used to be one o'clock and four o'clock. I was going to say this is not a normal time for games. Beyond right? they made the divisional rounds the same as championship round. They moved it to three o five and six forty. I like it. Okay. I like those time frames, three oh five and six forty, for the divisional round and then for the championship rounds. So yeah, just ease into the afternoon. Okay. So Texans at the Chiefs. What are you looking for in this one? Uh, which kind of Deshaun Watson is going to show up? I honestly think he's the key to this game. Yeah, it's the weekly question. Because again, this is one where the Chiefs are the better team. They have mismatches in several spots. So if the Texans are going to win or keep it close, they're going to need Deshaun Watson to have the good games that he's capable of having to not go, you know, half of the game not playing well the way he did last week, but to actually be Superman for the entire time and try and outduel or at least go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so this is one of those games when you look at Deshaun Watson and he has played both of the top seeds, faced all three top seeds from the AFC. We saw him do really well against Kansas City made a couple key plays down the stretch to essentially seal the deal. They, they pulled the upset against the Chiefs, right? He was horrendous against the Ravens, and he was great against the Patriots, against a defense that at the time was not really giving up a whole lot, and he did a really nice job, played a really clean game. And, you know, it sounds simple, but a lot of it really does depend on what happens with Watson. I thought last week the Bills were the type of team that does a really nice job, taking away the first read, make them hold on to the ball. The Chiefs, I don't know if they're able to to do that as cleanly as a team like the Bills are. Well, so it sounds, you know, silly, um, but Deshaun Watson, more than most quarterbacks, is their offense, you know, because as much as they obviously have a scheme and a system and all this kind of stuff, the way it's supposed to work, there are a few, there are a few quarterbacks in the NFL that essentially take it upon themselves to alter the way the scheme works because they're more comfortable playing that way. So you think Russell Wilson in Seattle – you know, Mahomes with the Chiefs, Deshaun Watson with the Texans, they are guys that change, that alter the way that offense is supposed to function because they can make more plays that way. So you think holding on to the ball way longer than he should do. You know, Deshaun Watson takes more sacks than anybody outside of Kyler Murray in terms of ones that he's responsible for. Yeah, just direct blame. Right. Holds the ball too long, causes problems, but it's, he does that because he can make a ton of plays that way. Right. Um. And, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of ways that he affects the game. I mean, last week we saw it. Look, he wasn't playing well. And then suddenly he took over that game, like made a couple of huge plays 
taking off scrambling, you know, getting out of hell and making plays, trucking safeties at the five yard line, dragging them into the end zone. Like he is more directly responsible for their offensive success than basically anything else. Yeah. And I think when you, when you compare it to what he saw last week and what he's seen, you know, Steve Spagnuolo and uh, defensive coordinator for Kansas city, he does a pretty good job. He's big zero blitz guy in key situations like some other, like the Ravens like to do like the Patriots like to do. He'll come after you. So I think it's going to come down to some of those, those key third downs. Right. And I think it's either we're coming out of this saying hero ball worked or it didn't work for Watson. I think that's the bottom line. There's going to be a memorable fumble or an interception. Is Tyron Matthew, you know, patrol in the middle of the field. Is he going to be a key in this one? I think he will. Um, it's either going to be a memorable turnover from Watson or another memorable play, right? Where he breaks out of a sack and makes a big play. And um, I think that's, I think that's what it comes down to, at least on that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, he has six games this season with a PFF grade above 80 something, Um, but also what one, two, three games in the forties, one more of 60. Last year, he had a couple more in the forties. Like that's, yeah, we don't see top 10 quarterbacks do that more than like once a year and you know, like one is, little blip yeah it's, it's not even as if you can just point to you know great defenses cause those games in the 40s now one of those games was against baltimore as you said but another one was against carolina right and another one was against tampa bay it's like look he is just one of these quarterbacks when you when everything is on you right you're susceptible to those fluctuations right yeah, where sometimes sure. you're on your game and sometimes you're not and you know even last week looked like it was going to be one of those games in the 40s and then he dragged it out of the the fire Late, but that's I, honestly that's what this game comes down to for the Houston offense is can Deshaun Watson carry the whole thing on him uh, on his shoulders? Charvarius Ward's another interesting piece for the Chiefs, big bodied corner with pretty good grades over the last couple of years. But he generally he's that guy that just plays sticky man coverage when they play man. He's only given up forty eight percent completions into his coverage. So him and Hopkins, you know, when they're matched up, will be uh, an interesting matchup to watch as well. On that side of the ball. Yeah, particularly, I don't know if last week, you know, was a learning point for the Texans, but it was interesting that at halftime they sort of made the adjustment of, you know, instead of trying to get uh, New Hopkins away from Tredavious White, mm-hmm. we're going to say, screw it. We have an all pro. You have an all pro. Let's see if ours is better. Yeah. And it worked. So, you know, rather than them try and uh, manufacture plays for Hopkins, It'll be interesting to see if that was a watershed moment of, look, screw it. This guy's really good. We're going to feed him the ball. Even if you think you have a good guy to cover him, we think he's better. Yep. Be a good matchup when they're matched up or whatever, you know, with, with whatever Houston decides to do there. Chris Jones will be important on the interior. That, getting after it from the Chiefs as That well. feels like a pretty big mismatch in Kansas City's favor, right? Houston's offensive line, which isn't the best in the world at the best of times. As plus, as we said, Deshaun Watson's tendency to make it look worse by holding onto the ball. Chris Jones, in particular, could have a real field day. The other area of this game that feels like a big mismatch for the Chiefs is their receiving core against you know Houston's yeah, I secondary. Want, I wanted to get to that because you know the Chiefs haven't felt as explosive this year in general, or in the second half in general. Even when Mahomes got healthy. Did he look better than he did earlier in the year? Absolutely. So how healthy was he? I mean, the, the, no, I know. the fact that they were on a bye is big because yeah, two weeks I'm of sure that resting up. I still look at Kansas City as like, like, are you as scared of the Kansas City offense as you were last year when Mahomes had 50 touchdowns and they looked unstoppable? I think it's fair to say, yeah, but like it, you just don't have the same 
feeling that you did last year where it's like, man, he would he would have mediocre games and still throw four touchdowns and they would stumble into 35 points. Right. Whereas I think the defense is playing a little bit better. The game flow is not as um, not as up tempo. And it's like, you know, they could score and, um, you know, kind of sit on the ball a little bit more, you know, because a lot of people are saying the key to the Chiefs is the run game, Mm. which it's not. But um, they definitely feel like more, you know, a team that's going to rely on the defense a little bit more this year. But man, are they still capable of just exploiting you? And I do think that is the biggest mismatch this weekend, right? Yeah. Chiefs playmakers against the Texans secondary. I mean, I think the Mahomes thing is huge. You know, we've been like, yeah, this Chiefs offense isn't quite as scary as it was a year ago. But Mahomes has been busted up all season. Like yeah. the dude has been fighting through multiple injuries, ankle, knee. The guy dislocated his kneecap in the middle of the season. Um you know, wrecked his hand in the same couple of plays that he wrecked his hand. He looked like someone snapped his rib cage in half. Like the guy is is wrecked. The fact that he has had a couple of weeks off, I think, is huge for them rolling into this game with a healthy Mahomes. You know, Tyree Kill is perennially one of the most dangerous receivers in the NFL. The guy is a big play waiting to happen in an instant. Um, even if you have good cover players and the Texans don't have too many of those. Miko Hartman is pretty uh, ridiculous in terms of game-breaking speed and playmaking ability himself. The Chiefs have this weaponry all over the field, and the Texans, I just don't think, have the horses to go against it. Yeah, and when Mahomes is at his best, you've got the same way. Where to, we, this is the consistent theme here with all of these quarterbacks, and same thing's going to be with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Do you rush them? Do you keep them in the pocket? And it does always feel like you don't really want Mahomes to get out of the pocket. He could beat you from the pocket, but you want him to you want him to just kind of feel the walls caving in, but not enough that he can escape, right? And so finding that delicate balance for the Texans pass rushers, I think is really important. And essentially buying their coverage team just that half a second of speeding Mahomes up because I think I do Houston radio every single week and I just I'm like on repeat. Like, what's it going to Are the Texans good? I'm like, well, it depends on their Watson and their secondary. Watson and their secondary. When's your uh, When's your Texans hit? You already done it this week? Yeah. Because I got a great stat for you. Oh, no. Yeah. Tuesday morning. I'll call, I'll call Sean Salisbury back. I'll yeah, try to get right back on it. Do you know over the last two years who has the best forced incompletion rate of any cornerback in the NFL? Someone on the Texans. Yeah. Jonathan Joseph? No. no. Who is it? Gary and Conley. Oh, Gary. Doesn't yeah. have a particularly good grade. Over that time, but he's done that, which well. is kind of amazing. But has an insane pass thirteen breakup rate. pass breakups on fifty-seven targets this right. year, right? And even last week, right? I <laughs> got targeted fifteen times. Um, had gave up five catches and had three pass breakups. Yeah. So it's and the thing is, he's given up like quite a lot of touchdowns over that time as well. So it's like he's either getting humped for a score or he's breaking up the pass. Nothing in between. You think that's what's going to happen yeah. this week? Yeah. Last week, Gary and Conley. You have Vernon Hargraves, who um, has just not had a good career. Mm. Um, he played okay last week outside of a really bad missed tackle in open space. Um, I think if we talk about if the Texans are going to pull this upset, we're going to be looking back on this game saying somebody in their back seven had a really big game or as a unit, they did a really nice job, whether it's Zach Cunningham at linebacker or Justin Reed at safety or whatever it might be, you know, Hargraves or, uh, Conley, as you mentioned, I mean, it's got to be somebody on the back end. Mike Adams, the ageless wonder. How is he still going? I don't know. I mean, he only played 55. I mean, he played 55 snaps the other day, the most he's played since 2017. But um, I think 
it'll take some kind of special performances on the back end there. He had one of the better grades on the team as well. He always grades well. At like 122 years old. He always grades well. How old is he? 30? He's 38. He's older than us. Wow. 38-year-old safety. I remember thinking he was old in 2014, just like, all right, dude, this guy's got to be done soon. Yeah. And they never really slowed down. Well, he seems to be one of those players that was always old. I don't remember a young Mike Adams. No, me neither. He doesn't even do anything like particularly well. He's just like, oh, I'm in position and I'm just going to not miss a whole bunch of plays. And here I am. Mm-hmm. It's good safety. Solid. So maybe like Devin McCourty might have 10 more years in him. God. Like Mike Adams to get to his age. Um, you expecting Kansas City's offense to, to get the best of Houston then, yeah? Yeah, I think I am. I mean, I, this is one where I can at least see the ways Tex- yeah. the Texans win, but it doesn't feel like it's the more likely option. So, you know. Chiefs win. JJ versus Mitchell. Yeah, that should be bit. fun. JJ, I mean, JJ Watt. Seriously, so when do they vote for comeback player of the year? Like, is that a vote that's already I happened? I think that's the one that is like the week after the year. Yeah. Yeah. Because genuinely, like, can you Post-season win? Postseason doesn't count. Can you win it for coming back within the same season from a season ending injury? The comeback player of the year award, which I think is generally silly, mm-hmm. um, might not have rules that are that specific. Because. Mm. Him, I mean, he. I'm pretty sure if you can vote for a right guard <laughs> at left guard for all pro, just for fun, just because you don't know where they played, I'm pretty stupid. sure you can do whatever you want for comeback player of the year. Yeah. So JJ Watt had a season injury, season ending pec injury, like week eight. It just happened to end his regular season only. Right. Came back <laughs> for the postseason, played like 55 snaps or something insane, um, and was good. Yeah. So yeah, JJ Watt against. Um, Mitchell Schwartz should be pretty fun. So, if again, I, th- I think there's a chance Kansas City just straight blows them out. Yeah. I hope it's a close game like it was. Or, you know, again, the Texans beat them. They beat them in Kansas City, but this was in the middle of, wait, are the Texans the best team in the AFC? Oh, wait, they're not. Are, are they? They're not. They were just going back and forth yeah. at that point. I just impressive win, get, bad loss, impressive win, bad loss. I hope we get good Deshaun Watson. Oh, then it'll be great. Get, then we get Watson, Mahomes, fireworks. The future of the AFC with these quarterbacks mm-hmm. looking strong. Some of the quarterbacks that are left, some of the quarterbacks that aren't there. Tom Brady's still around. You know, you just never know. I can't use the Tom Brady joke anymore because he showed signs of weakness this year. Chargers quarterback Tom Brady. Chargers quarterback Tom Brady. AFC favorites. Tweets from the future. I'm taking the Chiefs as well in this one. Now let's wrap it up. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, working on those transitions here. Green Bay Packers are hosting the Seahawks, oh. Seahawks at 640. Okay. I thought you were transitioning into something else. I was, I was, that was curious to me. Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that, that seemed like a strange transition. Speaking of things we need to transition to, have we told you about Manscaped lately? Yeah. We did on Monday. We're telling you again at the end of the week. All right. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that was confusing. Right. I was, I was fascinated by your opening on it. When Mike that. McCarthy was in the office, you know, what we talked about was Manscaped. We did not actually. No, you didn't ask him if he trimmed his balls lately? No. Have you? Have I asked him? Or have you trimmed your balls lately? Oh, That's I see. the question we need to ask. I So I use the plow. Oh, there you go. That's the thing you gave me. You took the lawnmower 2.0. Let me you, just say. You gave me the plow. It works well. Yeah. How's that? Okay, nice. Um, That's why they're number one in men's below the belt grooming. Yeah, the lawnmower 2.0 is the thing with, you know, proprietary skin safe technology all kinds of upgrades, battery powered, won't nick or snag your nuts, you know, all, all singing, all dancing, does all kinds of stuff. The plow 
is a little more rudimentary and old school. It's essentially a safety razor. That's so. I just I appreciate that good products. So you solve took, problems. You took the lawnmower is what you that two point is is what you want. Right. What you, you need. took the fancy thing that we advertise here, and you gave me the plow, which is great. It feels like one of us got you know the raw end of the the deal there. Yeah, because the lawnmower 2.0 does have the proprietary skin-safe technology, so not nick or snag your nuts. Right. That is very important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Finally. You don't have to worry about that anymore. The 2.0 takes care of it. Then you tidy things up with the plow, and then you (laughs) throw on the crop preserver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. I like problem solvers. Yeah. And that's what they are at Manscaped. Serious. They solve serious problems. Problems and you guys can get 20% off plus free shipping on all those products. Promo right. code PFF at manscaped.com. PFF promo code at manscaped.com. I just love yes. the idea that look, everybody's had to deal with sweaty balls. So you throw in some ball deodorant. Yeah. Nobody like, you know, people for years have been throwing regular deodorant down there if you've got sweaty balls. Actual Ball deodorant. Everything that they have developed has a purpose. It does. It solves a, a problem. A very specific purpose. Lawnmower 2.0, the plow, the ball deodorant. It's all in there. Manscapes.com. Use the promo code PFF. I think the most important thing is these reads are amazing. Your balls will thank you. Um, we I don't wa- think you understand how reads work. No, no, no. We, we, we love these reads. Love them. Yeah. So for us to maintain these reads, people need to go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF. Get 20% off with free shipping. If for nothing else, because Steve and Sam will just sit there and awkwardly talk about this. This is what I'm saying. You need to keep us doing this by buying this stuff. And frankly, you know who loves they're amazing. Manscaped? Who loves Manscaped? Maybe Mike not McCarthy? Manscaped, but at least the reads. Chris Collinsworth. He does. He at least loves the reads. Yeah. And if Chris was smart, he would just, you know, buy a quick Go 20 there, or right. something like that, you know? Go Keep on Manscaped.com, use a promo code PFF, get 20% off and buy himself like 25 you know what? batches of ball deodorant. Listen, I don't want to tell Chris what to do. It's uh-huh. his company. Sure. But the company party's coming up soon. Oh, did the, the gift package, if everybody got... Now you're talking. The company party's coming up soon. Last Is that year, an HR problem if, if, you know, certain people get... I mean, you just, you can customize the gifts to, to who you're giving them to. I mean, last year they gave a, they gave a gift to everybody. Yeah. It was really nice. It was a nice gift. We got a really nice gift last year. So I'm sure Neil and Chris, they're trying to figure out what to give the they company are, yeah, right yeah. now. And I have to think at least as part, we could save them 20%. We could save them 20%. With free so shipping. Neil, when you guys go buy the gift package at manscaped.com. For your package, gift package for your package, mm-hmm. manscapes.com. Use the promo code PFF. Promo code And you'll PFF. save 20% on the whole thing. Right. Think about it. Just buy them for the whole company. That's what, yeah, yeah. Christmas party's coming up. Because mm-hmm. we celebrate celebrate Christmas, you know, after football after season. season. After yeah. That's how we do it at PFF. So, got that problem solved. Excellent. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, mm. Seahawks at the Packers to round out divisional round. He's not with either of those teams. No, he used to be with the Packers, though. Yeah. Still working on those segues. Anyway, yeah. yeah. What are you expecting in this game, man? I think this will be another good one. I, uh, NFC games. NFC games are going to come down to the last couple plays. Well, don't all Seahawks games do that? Yes. Like they're incapable of winning or losing a game by like a sensible margin. It's just every single game comes down to the It's game. almost like they, they coach just enough to keep it close. 
Well, they you got a lead and you let teams come back they, or you fall behind and then you let Russell Wilson bring you back. During the week, they coach just well enough to be better than most teams. And then during the game, they coach just badly enough that they can't win by a decent there you go. number of points. Well done. That's how it, it's kind of how it's been going. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think the, the Seahawks have the quarterback advantage. So that, that that is a fascinating topic, right? Let's let's tease that out a little bit, right? Because people, I think, still are under the impression, or still working on the basis, that Aaron Rodgers is the same guy from 2011, and like sooner or later, you're gonna come back. We'll get 2011 Aaron Rodgers again. The playoffs, the playoffs, the perfect time for it to happen. 2011 Aaron Rodgers is about to break out in the playoffs, and that's when we'll see the greatness once more. Like even again, we did the the two minute drill yesterday. Bruce, Bruce Gretkowski was in our QB guru, 11 year NFL veteran, 11 years. Oh yeah. Um, oh, he fooled him for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was in there and you know, he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, the playoffs, that's when he's going to come back. I, everyone is under this impression, but Aaron Rodgers might not just, or might just not be that good anymore. The thing is, it's not just 2011. I mean, 2011, he was special, right? But, but 2014, know, he was special. Peak. And then. Peak Aaron Rodgers. Pieces of 2016. Right. My point is, peak Aaron Rodgers might not exist anymore. It hasn't been around for a while. Yeah. In a full season, we haven't seen it since 2014. But I think everybody still expects it to come back, right? It's this weird thing. It's like Kirk Cousins, right? Everyone is expecting the wheels to fall off and Kirk Cousins to just lay an egg and stink in a game, right? And it hasn't happened yet. And even yet, like last week, he comes up big at the end when they finally let him throw the ball. Yeah, I think there is some... Some people who evaluate based off of the high-end stuff. I think we're just clinging to these old narratives about players and not accepting that things have changed. Like, Rodgers is one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play in the game, and at his very, very best, we might not have seen anybody do it better. But it's been a long time since we saw that player. Yeah, and I think the when Aaron Rodgers was at his peak, there was no weakness. And I remember coming out here saying... Do you understand what he's he's doing? Peyton Brady type of pre-snap stuff with Elway after the snap stuff. I mean, it was like t- take the best quarterbacks of all time, piece it together, and for a short period of time, this is how Rodgers is playing: pre-snap, post-snap, good decision making, special throws, avoiding turnover-worthy plays. It was all there. I think what's disappeared in the last couple of years, and this is where speaking of Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy got blamed mm. for a lot of this stuff. It's like, well, Aaron Rodgers just isn't playing within the system. Therefore, it must be McCarthy's system must be still. He runs slant flat all the time. Nobody's open. So it's like, all right, let's have a new system. Let's have Matt LaFleur. He's in the whole, he's on the coaching tree that schemes guys open. All right, let's scheme guys open for Aaron now. Now he's definitely going to start getting the easy stuff. The special stuff's always been there. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way. That's a great baseline, by the way, for a court. If you can make special throws and avoid turnover, that's a great starting point. But the stuff in the middle for Aaron Rodgers has been lacking. Then this is where we thought this year, if he's going to come back mm-hmm. to his form, that stuff will show up again. And by that stuff, I mean like hit the open slant, hit the crosser off play action, hit the dig route off play action. And I think Rogers has flashed all of that stuff, just not done it on a play by play basis. Consistently, we have his grade lower uh, by a wide margin compared to even just last year and heading, heading down and direction. And there's been just some games where this offense is so just, you know, just not moving the ball. Yeah. Just not moving the ball at all. Especially the trend early in the year was like pretty good script. You know, first 15 plays, they're moving it and then they disappear. So there are some concerning trends with Rogers play and in general 
the offense. Yeah, and it's just it's fascinating to me that despite multiple years of this, everybody I think still or not everybody, but a lot of people still expect to see the old Aaron Rodgers at some point. And you know, we're just one game away from vintage Aaron Rodgers coming out here, torching everybody and laying waste to the Seahawks and marching into the, the NFC championship game. Um, and I just don't know that we're ever going to see that guy again. And as you said, they've changed scheme, same old story. Um, it used to be the case of Rodgers was in that category of, I don't even know what the game plan should be to slow down Aaron Rodgers. Right. I think now you do. Now you know exactly what the game plan should be to slow down Aaron Rodgers. Um, and it works, which is even more concerning. Um, so, yeah, and whereas on the flip side, you've got Russell Wilson, who's played pretty spectacularly all season long, probably has the best deep ball in the NFL, even when the numbers cooled down and he wasn't, you know, putting mm-hmm. up insane box score stats. PFF grade was spectacular. Yeah, he's he, still throwing the ball well and everything. He used to be a lot like Deshaun Watson in terms of all hero ball. And then every now and again, you'd get a stinking Russell Wilson game, right? right. It would be awful. Exactly like Deshaun Watson. Didn't necessarily have any rhyme or reason to it. Just one day. It wasn't there and you would get bad Russell Wilson. And that used to be the thing that was kind of keeping him out of the very, very best in the NFL conversation. This year, those haven't been there. We've got good or great Russell Wilson all the way through the year. And consequently, he's our, you know, one of our top graded quarterbacks. He's got the highest war in the NFL. He is the guy, even if Lamar Jackson will win MVP, like Russell Wilson has been spectacular way better than Aaron Rodgers this year. The thing that changed a little bit down the stretch was Wilson taking a few more sacks. He did a nice job. You know, last week he only took the one, and he only took one in week 17 against the Niners, but there was a couple games, five, six, five, five. I mean, down the stretch, there was a few more of those sacks, things that he was he was avoiding those a little bit earlier in the year as well. And then, you know, again, there were games down the stretch at Philly when they played in week 12, not last week, and a couple other games where he still graded really well and the stats weren't that good. He was still making great throws, and they just weren't getting caught or whatever it might be. So... I think it's going to be the Seattle receiving core is going to be crucial. DK Metcalf was dominant when they threw to him last week behind the defense, that vertical threat, Tyler Lockett, uh, more. I mean, those guys, they have to come through in this one because I think, you know, I think Russell's going to keep them in it. And even if, and even if it is like the 2014 NFC championship championship game where Russell Wilson for the first, what, like 50 out of 60 minutes of the game before they went to overtime was just horrendous, but he ends up with the game winning throw that puts him into the super bowl and all that stuff. Like that's kind of Russell Wilson's MO is he's, you know, he could be great. If, even if he is bad, like you still don't feel like you're out of the game. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I think it's going to be a close game here because he's just got such great big playability. Number two in big time throw percentage this year. That's pretty consistent for Wilson. What will be interesting is, again, so this is kind of like the um, the Tennessee-Baltimore game in that I think what Philadelphia did well to slow down the Seahawks last week, the, the Packers can also do, but I think they're better at the other area. So I think the Packers' defensive yeah. front is really good at generating pressure. Um, Kenny Clark up front has been one of the most dominant interior pass rushers this year, even if I think you know he's, he's ostensibly a nose tackle. But he's become a legit all-round interior disruptor. They play him at three technique in the sub packages, etc. He's a beast. Um, Zadarius Smith leads the NFL in total pressures this season. He can generate pressure from all over the line. 93 pressures to lead all edge defenders. Yeah. The Seahawks leads everybody, doesn't it? Or did Donald? I mean, it leads everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, 
the Seahawks offensive line, again, not the best, even at the best of times, and they're banged up missing their best players. So they're going to be, Russell Wilson's going to be under pressure, much the way he was against Philadelphia. But when he goes to heave the ball at DK Metcalf to get away from that pressure, instead of running against a bunch of, you know, problems on the back end in Philadelphia secondary, Green Bay has some horses back there. They've got Jair Alexander. They've got corners that can match up with DK Metcalf, and it shouldn't be as easy as it was last week to just bail his way out of pressure with big plays. Tremont Williams, speaking of old dudes still doing it, Mm. 36.8 years old. 36.8. 37 years old, man. Is he he's older be, than you? That's gonna, uh, you gotta he's going to be, gonna be ballpark, 37 right? in March. March. He's almost mm. exactly a year younger than me. Oh, you're younger. That's right. 36. Yeah, I'll be 38 I keep in March. He'll be 37. How, I keep forgetting how old we are. Yeah, we're going to be Mike Adams' age this oh, year. unfortunate. We're going to be up to 38. Um, so, yeah, and the more we talk through this, too, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game where it feels really difficult for Seattle's offense throughout much of the game, where it's like, if it, you know, because they've got this thing, you know, we'd like to run the ball and establish it. We get into third and longs. This is the team where if you're in third and long, Sedarius and Preston and Kenny Clark, they're coming after you. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't be the game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, hey, Russell Wilson's been sacked five times in the first half and Seattle has three points and it's a struggle. But again, I don't know if Green Bay is going to do a whole lot on the offensive side on the other on the other side of the ball. And we might sneak into the fourth quarter where it's like 10 to six or something like that. And then it's like, all right, now it's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, who's going to make a play. And Russell Wilson's the kind of guy who's been sacked eight times. And then like Watson last week, he's been sacked seven or eight times and who cares? He's still going to make these plays down the stretch. I think that could be if Seattle can just keep it close and then kind of just hope that your, your MVP bails you out. I mean, I think that's what they're looking at because this pass rush with Sedarius has 93 pressures. Kenny Clark has 62. Preston has Preston Smith has 55. That is quite the trio. Yeah. It could be a lot like the last Minnesota Green Bay game where it was, I mean, the Vikings did all theirs through turnovers, but the same kind of idea, right? It's pretty low scoring and ugly for both offenses. And ultimately it comes down to who A screws up less or B makes a few plays. I think Rogers is going to lean heavily on Devante. Yes. It's a go-to guy. He's still not really elicited confidence in uh, anyone else. No. And then, They've done a good job of scheming Aaron Jones open into the passing game, but you know they've been hit or miss from an accuracy standpoint getting the ball to him. But he's got 50 catches for 480 and three touchdowns, which easily easily could have been six or seven touchdowns this year. The way he was open and down I, the field, yeah. And now you're going up against some really good linebackers, right? Know, Wagner, KJ Wright. But that'll be a fun matchup, yeah. If they're you know if they're trying to find Jones out of the backfield, going up against those Seattle linebackers in this one. So there's some good stuff to look at here. I mean, Seattle's defense has kind of played pretty well down the stretch for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we didn't like Seattle coming into the season because they just, it just looks like their roster since the Super Bowl days has gotten worse and worse. Yeah. But they have the best year that Wilson's had. And that's uh, it's covered some blemishes. I think. Right. I mean, there's a few things that, that essentially transformed them from what we thought they would be heading into the season. Obviously Wilson having a career year and playing like an MVP, that's going to help. Yep. Um, TK Metcalf had an immediate impact as a vertical threat. Over a thousand yards now, including the playoffs. Right. Addition to that offense, a a real difference maker in terms of what he is doing, even if he isn't a complete receiver. Jadevian Clowney comes over, repeats what he was doing last year, essentially gives them a legit number one edge rushing threat. 
And then Shaquille Griffin on the back end reversed his sort of career track from struggling a year ago to being one of the better corners in the NFL this year. Doesn't have the pick numbers, but has a ton of pass breakups and has generally been pretty tricky to complete passes on. That gives them a guy on the back end that they just didn't have last year. That secondary was abysmal a year ago. Yeah, predicting coverage is never fun. Shaquille Griffin goes from rookie season, 14 pass breakups, 63 coverage grade, grade meaning he got beat quite a bit, but he made a bunch of plays. Last year, coverage grade drops to 48. Yeah. And he you know breaks up half as many passes on more targets. And then this year, back up 13 pass breakups. Good job. 77 coverage grade. That's his career high. And, you know, corner is just as far as like predicting actual performance, which mm. is, you know, what really matters is how well you play on the field, not what your, you know, measurables are, what you look or whatever. Shaquille Griffin felt like a guy who could be a very good corner in like a steal in the third round until last year he struggled. And now he's got, like you said, you've reversed his career path. Um, for whatever that's worth, because you can't really. It's like momentum, right? Coverage grades like momentum. Mm-hmm. Does it even matter? Does, does it even matter going forward? Yeah. Uh, but good job by Shaquille Griffin so far this year. You know, again, he, he's back to that like, wow, that's a pretty good third round pick because he's played some pretty good football this mm-hmm. year. Good size outside corner. So what do you think in this one, man? I'm going to lean in this one. I'm going to lean Packers. I think this is the closest of the four games, but. You know, balance of probabilities, Green Bay. And so I'm I'm going to pick Green Bay, too. And I really think it's because the Seahawks are just treading a really fine line. I think it's going to even last week, they only scored 17, whatever. But it's like it took Russell Wilson uh, completing four deep passes mm-hmm. for like 150, which, as he said, might not be there. This it week. might not be there this week. Right. And if it's a if four gets cut to two, you know, then. That's a big difference. This is the game of the week in PFF Greenline, by the way. So you can go to just type in pff.com slash Greenline. And this is the game. Even if you're not a PFF member, you see all the data. So you get to see everything that's in there. Uh, Line favors Seattle a little more than the market does. Uh, But anyway, you get to see all of the data in this, even if you're not subscribed to see what you get as PFF Greenline. Yeah, go check it out. PFF Elite, which contains PFF Greenline. It's our best product. It's all the best stuff and uh, some really good insight. We got big time throw percentages and stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So go check that out. We got free big time throw percentages on this page then. Yeah. For Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. Well, that's worth it right there. Passer rating under pressure, passer rating when clean, grade, uh, general team comparison, how much they run, pass, EPA per run and pass. Go check it out. PFF.com slash green line. Yeah, I'm going to take the pack Yeah, to win this one. So we're taking all of the home teams. home teams. Usually what happens, I say this every year, usually what happens on a wild card week, some teams have, some team has this impressive win and you just, they get so hyped up and then they run into, you know, a team that's better than them that had a bye. Um, I don't know that that's as there. Do you feel like a team's super hyped up this this week based off something they did last week? I don't think Houston really is. I don't think the Titans really are. Mm. Maybe maybe people feel good about Seattle. I mean, the Titans would be the one, I think, because of knocking off, you know, ending the dynasty, knocking off the Patriots. Yeah, potentially. But I don't think any but they're running into the Ravens. And I think pe- right. I don't think anybody's like, man, they're that's enough to they're going to carry that momentum yeah. and beat the Ravens. That's enough to cool your jets. Yeah. I think it'll be a good weekend of football action, especially on the NFC. Clean weekend. Clean. It'll be clean across the board. Like, you know, turnover free and stuff. Clean. Mm. Stop making fun of me, man. Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's going to happen. People think we don't like each other. 
Well, look, if you're going to keep, you know, we're at least like mediocre friends off air here, you know, mm, I'd mm. say, yeah, we don't hate each other. No, like we are say hi to each other every morning, grab coffee every now and again. Yeah. yeah. I'm we not allowed friends. to do that anymore since uh, Laura saw how much I spent Starbucks over the last couple of months. <laughs> Well, did you show her how many stars you have? I didn't. No, I know. Maybe I should. You got to show her the stars. I, I didn't need to show the stars. Or you just grab some of that money you've been stealing on the side and, you know. The acorns. Slide it onto the Starbucks card. Yeah. That could be like Starbucks money. I, well, I've got it to like auto top up now. I don't, I don't know. If you I can, auto. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can connect. Starbucks the, uh, is stealing your money. I don't know if I can connect the acorns to the Starbucks. Hmm. Yeah, you got to figure that out. Yeah. So, Lars, no more Starbucks for you, huh? No, no not for a while anyway unfortunate yeah but yeah we used to have coffee together all the time well now i i mean i still have coffee i just don't go to starbucks and buy it oh so i've been like my standard order is an americano right which is like espresso with water in it so what i've been doing is getting the thermos thing firing a couple of nespresso shots in the morning bringing it in and then hitting the hot water thing then you get the hot water americano it's been working well yeah that'll do it right what I did is bought five pounds of coffee at Starbucks at three bucks a pop because they were trying to get rid of their Christmas and Thanksgiving blend. And yeah. I'm good through the draft. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to get rid of the uh, the Christmas blend and you took it all. Well worth it. Well worth it. I highly suggest go get the cheap uh, Starbucks coffee after Christmas. Mm. It's like buying uh, wrapping paper after Christmas. You know, you get 75% off. Yeah. It's a whole separate podcast. Tips and tricks and stuff. Mm. All right. We done here? Yeah. Is this it? I think so. Divisional round preview. Is done. We'll be back Monday morning recapping everything again, ready for championship week. Championship week, then the senior bowls after that, then the Super Bowl, off season stuff. Mm-hmm. It's moving. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, YouTube or on the podcast. We'll see you guys Monday morning. Enjoy the football this weekend. quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.